Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to pick back up with a, a sermon, a, a theme, a series uh, that we started actually a number of weeks ago, and because some other things happened that uh, we have not been talking about it, but I, it just definitely still on my heart. Uh, I think three weeks ago or so, we started talking about sin, and uh, we publicly exposed Pastor Greg's sin, and now... Now we need to work on to the next person, so any volunteers, let me know. But we're going to start at uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. It says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father, mother, father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So that's tough stuff. Those are tough verses. And if you've ever, you know, as you're reading through the Bible, there's a number of things that are tough, and we, we would like to just skim right over those things. But we can't. That's the Word, and that's really the meat of the Word. The meat of the Word is, why did Jesus come? And He's answering that question Himself right here. We don't have to guess. We don't have to, to, to go, well, I think is what He's saying here. No, He's saying, I didn't come to bring peace. Well, we, wasn't His name... One of the names that the, the angel, uh, as, it, as it proclaimed it to both the prophet and to Mary, said, his name will be peace. But what does that mean? The peace that he's talking about isn't peace in the world. The world's not full of peace, is it? Our country right now is not full of peace. Our, our community, even just our you know, Stillwater, which is suburbia at its greatest, is not full of peace. The only peace, what he's talking about peace, is peace with God. Peace with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Because we don't, if we had peace with everybody else and God was against us, we're in trouble. But if we have peace with no one but peace with Him, we have everything. And the, where the peace comes from is when the sin nature is dealt with. When that thing that separated man from God, the sin in the garden, the sin of Adam and Eve, the sin of rebellion, the sin of, of, of uh, pride, the sin, the sin that, that they did that has, has brought death into the world and the curse and everything else, when, when that sin came into the world, it separated man from God. It separated us from a relationship. And everybody's affected. Everybody's affected. There is not one. The Bible says that in Romans. It says there, there is not one who is righteous. Not one who is who seeks after God. There's not one who is holy. The only one that could be holy was God Himself. That's why Jesus, God, remember when we talked about theology, uh, was it last year or the year before? We talked, that's why it's so important that Jesus is God. I had some Jehovah's Witness come to the house a couple of weeks ago. 
And they said, oh, well, I th- we believe the same thing you do. And I said, no, you don't. <laughs> you, you don't. Well, sure we do. I said, I said, okay, who's Jesus? Oh, he's a good man. He was the son of God. He was a good man. I said, he was God. Oh, well, you know, you can't get that. Yeah, you actually can. And you have to. Because he's the only one who is holy. He's the only one who is good. He's the only one who is sinless. And he came on this earth. He was born as a child. How does that happen? How does God become a human child? He's God. That's one of those faith things. That's one of those things you go, I don't know how it works, but it worked. And he was God in man. In the form of man. And he lived a sinless life. And he died on the cross. He became sin for us. That is the, to me, that's the part that just about makes me weep every time. Because he became sin for us. He who did not know sin became sin. It was so important for sin to be eradicated from mankind, to be eradicated from our life, that he did the ultimate thing. He became us and then died for us, suffered for us, horribly but then rose again because because he is god because he is sinless because he was in and of himself holy his death couldn't hold him and he rose again praise god for that but it's that important it's that important that sin is dealt with that sin is gone that sin is not a part of our lives and yet in our 21st century world we'd like to wink at our sin there's even some sins that we kind of go, well, yeah, I know, I still do this, but you know, it's not that big of a deal. Years ago, I, I used a, an example in youth group. I love it. There was things I could do in youth group that I couldn't do here. I could do them here. I could tell you about them because it's not as offensive. But I actually did it there. I, I had two glasses of water. And I told, people, so I told the kids, I said, that water right there, is completely pure. Both glasses are completely pure. There's, I mean, I took, I took a drink out of each one. And then I reached into a little box. I pulled out an eyedropper. I said, this I got out of the toilet. And I squeezed it in one of them. Then I took them behind my back, mixed them up, set them out there, and I said, which one are you going to drink? How, I mean, by volume, it was, it was primarily pure but that one drop of impure makes you to go yeah i don't think i'm going to do that that one sin you know people say well that you know well who does god think he is that that one sin has caused all this destruction that wasn't his plan you know that wasn't his deal but he knew what sin would do and that's why he said don't eat of that tree he knew that if there was rebellion, even just a drop of it would cause destruction that would last centuries and centuries, deaths beyond imagination, horrifying, horrible things. That is just beyond, beyond, beyond comprehension. Sin kills. Sin is vile. Okay. So that's where we were before. We, that's, that's a review of how we got here. Let's take it one step further. We talked about, at the end of that sermon, we talked about being ambassadors. We represent the kingdom of God. That's God's plan. 
he could have done it a whole bunch of different ways. I've been studying this out actually because there's a there's a, a direction we're going to be heading in the months to come and and I believe for years to come that has to do with that concept of being ambassadors. We are a representation right now. Let me just put it in a small scale. Right now, I'm a representative of the kingdom of God to you. By his authority, not my authority, I don't know nothing. I don't, I don't have any credentials in and of myself. If you knew me half as well as my wife does, you'd go, yeah, right. Who do you think you are? Where none of us are perfect. None of us have this, have this position in and of ourselves where we're good or, or, or perfect or holy. But in God's wisdom, in His understanding, in His knowledge, because the Bible says His ways are higher than our ways, He has told us that we're ambassadors. Who are we ambassadors to? Everybody we meet. Everywhere that we go. Everything that we do, we are ambassadors, whether you like it or not. If you remember years ago, um, there was a thing going on in the sports world where these, these uh, super megastars were getting mad because people were going, well, you shouldn't be living that way because you're a role model. And they said, well, I never signed up to be a role model. Hello. Because they are who they are, they are a role model. Becoming a Christian, whether you like it or not, automatically sets you up to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God. It is who you are. And there's no degrees of, of ambassadors. Now, there's degrees of, of people that you'll meet. There's a degrees of, of, of numbers of opportunities. But not one of you is less of an ambassador than the other. I'm not more of an ambassador. In many ways, I'm less of an ambassador. Because people find out I'm a pastor and it's like, whoa, big wall. That's why I have to be sneaky. <laughs> and I don't mean sneaky like I don't say anything. I'm saying I have to be sneaky and say, you know, people say, what do you do? Well, I teach self-defense. That's what I do. It's the truth. It's the truth. Opens doors. There's not one of us that is 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 greater than the other. We're all ambassadors. And what does an ambassador do? Ambassador represents a nation or a country to someone else in a different nation or country. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Love it when the word just comes pouring out of whatever. The Bible says that if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. <laughs> I've done that. I, we were, if you were on a youth trip one time, we had decided, hey, we're going to go to this little country church in northern Minnesota. There was like, we, I think the, the 12 of us doubled or tripled this. You remember, I think I was sitting next to you when, we, when it happened. And I'm just sitting there and, and I have my, my Bible on my phone and I'm watching and the guy's preaching and you know, we're the majority. And all of a sudden, I wonder what that button does. <laughs> I found out. Really. And the Lord says... Done it, done it. Where was I? Ambassadors. We're ambassadors to everybody that we meet, everywhere that we go. When you are out in your job place, when you are at the school, when you're out at the beach this summer, whenever you are anywhere, you're an ambassador. You are. People are watching you. People are listening to you. 
Now, they can write you off. They can ignore you. They can try to ignore you. But the Word has power. When it's spoken, it has authority. And it is going to do and say what it says. If you say it, it has power. So, in that responsibility, there is a part of that that is not necessarily what I would have signed up for. Because in my life, I've always... I've, I have always, let's put it that way, I personally, John, have always had a motto. You don't mess with me, I don't mess with you. You don't, you don't push my buttons, I don't push yours. Okay, well... <laughs> okay, once I get to know you, you're fair game. Okay, it's just the way it's going to be. But to somebody I don't know, I don't tell them how to live their life. I don't, I don't you know, try to control them. I don't try to control anybody. I want people to live their own lives. You know, and so, but then when I became a Christian, all of a sudden, the rules changed. The rules changed because there were times when God said, John, you need to say this right now. Or you need to do this. You need to live a certain way. You need to make this choice. And you need to make this choice based upon the Word of God. And so, okay, so I, I had the experience with God 30 years ago. Oh, praise God. Everybody go, praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I figured out this, I was having a conversation with somebody this week. It's been 30 years since I rededicated my life to the Lord. Glory to God. That is exciting. It was May 26th that it was like, that's it. I'm living for God. I'm not going to, I'm just, I'm heading, you know, cold turkey on the rest of my life, turned around 180, headed in the other direction. Praise the Lord. It's awesome. But when that happened, something changed. There was something that changed, not only in the way that I live my life, how I acted, but in the expectations for my life. Because the friends that I was hanging out with, because 30 years ago, I didn't stop hanging out with my old friends, my partying friends, my illegal friends, my the guys the guys that used to do all the stuff together. I didn't, I thought, well, you know, these are my friends, right? So I kept hanging out with them. And they'd say, hey, let's do this. And I went, you know, I, I can't do that anymore. Why? Because I'm a Christian. Because I'm living in my life against a different standard. I didn't say it that way. I just said, I'm a Christian. God wants me to live different. I have to live different now. Well, that's dumb. They'd ask questions at first. Why are you doing this? This is stupid. How long is this going to last? I said forever. I had actually one friend said, I have been designated by the group to make you fall. I said, good luck, because it ain't going to happen. Because I'd made a decision. I had made that final decision. That's it. Well, that went on for maybe a month or so, where I would still get together with those guys. We'd, we'd do things together, not do those things together, because I wouldn't do that. But we would, I would you know, try to go out to the park with them. They used to, we used to play Frisbee all the time. We used to do different things, hang out. But whenever they were doing something that I couldn't do, I just abstained from it. I didn't even say anything. I didn't say, oh, how could you do that? Do you know that the Lord does not smile upon that? No, I just said, hey, none for me, thanks. Why not? Because I have to live my life different. Why? Because I'm a Christian now. Well, that's dumb. Sorry, it's just the way I am. And I'm thinking I could just go on with my life and just keep being their friend, being around them. But there came a day when they said, you know what, we just assumed you weren't here. I was like, why? 
He said, because we're just sick of hearing this stuff. I said, I haven't really said anything. No, but I was living it. I was living it. And the words I did speak had power. They had authority. I had one guy who was sitting at lunch. Because uh, um, <laughs> i got to think how I can tell this story without dis- disclosing too much. Okay, we were sitting at lunch at the factory, and I was not saying anything. I wasn't saying, I wasn't preaching, I wasn't saying anything, and, and somebody said, oh, we should do that this weekend, and, I, and they said, are you in? And they looked at me, and I said, you know, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. And this guy sitting across from me looks at me, he slams the table, packed lunchroom at work, slams the table, and he goes, I liked you more when you were a sinner! <laughs> I didn't do anything. I don't think, I didn't think I had but I was being an ambassador. I was living different. What I, the way I was living was shining a light on their lives. And it was exposing things they didn't want to have exposed. Now, I didn't want to do that. It wasn't something I signed up for because I was messing with these people. I finally had one guy, I went over to the, to the guy's house and I'm, I sat down there where I usually sat and, and the, the guy who owned the house or was renting the house came in, he looked at me and he goes, John, get out of here. I said, Why? And he goes, I don't want to hear any more about this Jesus stuff. I don't want to hear any more about the way you're living. I'm sick and tired of this. Get out of my house. And I said, dude, don't, don't do this. this is, you know, we've been friends for many years. He goes, get out. Get out of my house. I'm sick of this. I don't want to hear any more of this. Get out of my house. Well, it was devastating. But it was a definition. It was a, a dividing line between light and darkness. And it wasn't because I was so holy. Because I wasn't. It wasn't because I was so perfect. When I had one friend tell me one time, he goes, you think you're so perfect. I said, actually, I don't. I really don't. I don't feel that way at all. But to him, he wasn't seeing my faults, who I was. He was seeing Jesus. And that's convicting. The reason Jesus came into this world was to convict people of their sins. And conviction of sins is painful. It hurts. By default, it hurts. And it hurts people. When, when you say Jesus loves you, that there's his forgiveness of sins, then that, the first thought that comes to people's minds is, you mean I'm sinful? Yeah. I'm a good person. I haven't killed anybody lately. I haven't done, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't. Well, it isn't about that. It's the sin nature. The world is scared to death of truth. They don't like to admit it. They don't, that's not how they would phrase it, but they're scared to death of truth. When we, when we make a public statement of the truth of the Word of God, there's conviction that falls with that Word. I can say things. I can say things that are banned in some countries. And I can even say them even in a Christian crowd, and some people will go, gosh, you probably shouldn't say that. What if? I don't get a choice anymore. I don't get a choice as an ambassador of Jesus Christ to not say what His truth is. It is sin to steal. It's sin to steal in any way. In any way. Now where is that line drawn? I don't know. But I know where it's been drawn for me. I'm at the cash register and I give somebody a 10 and they give me too much change back and I know it, 
I have to tell them. I do. I just, it is not like I want to. It's like, whoa, free cash. But I know it just, I can't, in, internally, I can't, I said, hey, you gave me too much money. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Trust me, you gave me too much money back. Lying is sin. Every lie is a sin. Every single lie. What is a sin? A sin is anything that is contrary to the plan and purpose of God, anything that's contrary to His his will, His holiness, anything against God, anything against Jesus, anything. So the Bible is full of here's what sin is. That's what the law was all about. That's what the Old Testament was about, was defining this is what sin is. The New Testament is about don't, okay, yeah, that's sin, stop doing that, but there's grace and mercy. You got to stop doing that though. We don't get to, we don't get to go, grace and mercy. This is wonderful, but I'm going to keep holding on to my sin. There's a, there's a whole teaching and, you know, we don't talk about that much. I don't, you know, point out everybody else's bad doctrine and, and heresy, but, if you if you follow Christianity at all, there's a there's a whole uh, love wins theology out there that it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, you can right now just keep right on sinning. God loves you; He forgives you. Actually, you don't even have to be saved. It's just God loves everybody, and everybody's getting into hell. that is a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie. The idea that you, that, well, God loves you and He's forgived you, and now that you're born again, you never have to even, don't even think about sin. Just, just live your life in the fullness of the grace of God. No, the Bible says, confess your sins one to another. Hey man, I'm struggling with this. There's something in my life that I know is not right. I need to deal with this. I've had, I had somebody who used to go to here, didn't go here very long because they left. That met me in the bathroom one day and, and, and called me a Pharisee. It was right about 10 minutes before service. I almost punched him. I was like, dude, you know, timing is everything here. Really, it is. He goes, I just want to, I just want to meet with you. He says, there's some things that the Lord, that the Lord has told me that you're in error. I went, really? Like what? Well, you're being pharisaical and telling people that you have to forget, you know, ask for forgiveness of sins. I was just like, oh, I'd love to meet with you. Yeah. That'd be great. Because the word says, Confess your sins, and He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. We've got to deal with the sin issue. The sin is not just winked at. It's not like, oh, I know, we're just so human. No, sin is, is death. We need to stop doing that. I need to stop doing that. Now, I haven't robbed a bank lately. Ever. Ever. Thank you. <laughs> just... Just for public declaration, ever. <laughs> I haven't done any, like, really outward, you know, where people have, you know, sin. Ugh. But our, our thought life can be unholy. Our thought life, things that nobody sees. Oh, it's okay because nobody sees it. There's, that's, there's no danger in that. Yeah, there is. The Bible says there's a progression of sin. The first is, the, is what happens here. And that leads eventually to death. What happens here? Stop it here. How do you stop it here? I won't sin, I won't sin. I won't. Oh, crud. Okay. I'm sorry, Lord, please forgive me. I won't sin, I won't sin. Oh, shoot. No. 
It's submitting ourselves. God, I just I want to think like you. I want to live. You know, I'm, I repent for for being for making having a thought pattern that that went in a direction, and I, I judged or I I lusted or I did whatever. Lord, I don't want to live that way. Help me. Help me live the way you want me to live. That's how Christians deal with sin. It's not by ignoring it. It's by dealing with it. But here comes the sticky part. As an ambassador of Jesus Christ, we are called to show light into the world. And there are times when we do have to say, sorry folks, that's sin. That is unacceptable. According to, the, according to my king and according to the rules of our kingdom, which is ultimately going to win this war, that's sin. Oh, you are so narrow-minded. You are so judgmental. You're such a racist. You're, you're so this. You're so that. Yeah, well, get used to getting called names. Jesus was called names. Jesus was accused. You, that there's, a, there's a line when Jesus is being crucified that gets me every time I read it. And it's when, they, when the, the Pharisees are walking by and they said, well, if he's really the Son of God, have him come on down from there. Just bring yourself down, if that's really who you are. That, that arrogance of calling the Son of God, of, of, of goading the Son of God, oh, if, if you're really... My goodness, he could have squashed them. He could have disintegrated the earth at that moment. That's who he was. But because of his mercy, he didn't. But we are to be salt and light. We are to, to make declarations of truth because that declaration of truth, the Bible says, sets people free. How we do it is the most important part. Paul said, Paul said that when he came to the Corinthians, he said, I come with fear and trembling. Now, he brought judgment. He brought a strong word. He dealt with them very harshly. He says, stop doing that. Stop living that way. Stop acting this way. Stop worshiping this way. You're wrong. You're wrong. Stop doing this. And their feelings were hurt. But in a later part, I think it was in 2 Corinthians, he says, he says, I came to you with fear and trembling. When we have to make those declarations... When we have to make those statements of truth, our first step, it better be to check ourselves. It has to be. Because we're going to be judged by the words that we use. We're going to be judged by that same standard. But that doesn't mean, because people have said, it's a, how, can I, how can I point out someone's sin? I have sin. I know. Because the, the, the standard is not my sin compared to their sin. It's, God's sinlessness, Jesus' sinlessness compared to their sin. And the way we, we express that, the way that we share that, has to be full of humility, love, and mercy. Here's the deal, folks. Here's the deal, men. Let's just go right for the, right for the jugular. Men, if you're lusting in your heart, it's sin. Now, I have that same propensity. You know, there was a book written, Every Man's Battle, because it's every man's battle. 
but 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 lust in your heart for another man's woman, for another woman that you're not married to, is sin. It is vile. It will destroy you. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your family. It will destroy your friendships. It will destroy you if you hold on to it. That is sin. Now, somebody could say, well, what about you, Pastor John? Hey, I'm telling you, man, I struggle with this stuff. I'm a human being. I don't get exempted. I took, took the oath of pastorship and got exempted, exempted from all sin. Should have been me. Bummer for you guys. <laughs> no, the reality is we all struggle. Now, ladies, what would be a good one for the ladies do? What do you struggle with? No, I won't. It could be the same thing. It could be. It could be whatever the sin is. Put your own personal problem with that. Your personal problem. See how we water it down? Your own personal sin. It is sin. But that doesn't mean, just because you have sin doesn't mean that we can't be light in this world. Otherwise, we're in so much trouble because none of us can say a word. Stealing is a sin. Lying is a sin. Fornication is a sin. Adultery is a sin. I don't even have to say the other one. You know what? I mean, we always, we always, that's the, that's the lowest common denominator. We go to the next one. It's not the point. It's sin. We have to be light. Because Jesus doesn't show up every day and say, just a reminder, world, I was perfect and you're not. The system that He put in place was that the church is light now. The church is truth now. And if we don't do our part, if I didn't be, if I didn't be light, that didn't, that's not going to come out right. If I wasn't light to my friends, they'd have no, they, they wouldn't know. They would be lost. I have one friend, and, and there's many guys who actually told me just to leave and to leave him alone. One was my roommate. At the time, he says, John, he says, I can't. This is it. I, we get. He says, you gotta, you gotta move out, get out. You just, we can't, I can't, we can't live like that. See, that's what was going through my head. We can't live like this anymore. <laughs> Sounded weird every time I said it in my head. But he said, get out. He says, I, he says, I don't want to hear any more about Jesus. I don't want to hear any more about God. I don't want to hear about any about your life and how much better it is. I don't want to hear it anymore. Get away from me. Leave me alone. I didn't see him for 15 years. One day I was driving through uh, Lake City, Minnesota, and the Holy Spirit said, Dave lives here now. I'm like, really? Dave was my old roommate. So I pulled over. This was before cell phones and Google and everything else, and I pulled over and I found a telephone book in a telephone booth. You know, what, what, what did we do before? <laughs> Opened up to Lakeville, started looking. Dave, he lives there. I dialed the number. He answered. I went over to his house. I said, man, I was just driving through. I said, I heard you were living here now. 
we sat and talked for a few hours, and he goes, hey, man, tell you what. He says, would you do something for me? He says, we have a golf tournament coming up in two weeks. And he said, there's all the old guys, all the old friends that we used to hang out with all come to this golf tournament. And he says, what's his name? He, he's got a, 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 a Catholic nun on his team. I need a pastor on my team. Can you do that? Can, would you? I said, sure, I'll come and play. So I went and played golf with him. Scary. Okay, just scary. Fifteen years had passed. They hadn't changed. It had gotten worse. The only thing I told Deb when I got home, I said, the only thing that's changed are the women. Different girlfriends, different wives. Everything else was the same. Same lifestyle, same everything. Just harder and more. I mean, I'm looking old. I don't even know what they'd look like now. But we're playing golf, and the guy that I'm with is just, he is blitzed. He's gone. And, you know, so we're driving down one of the fairways, and all of a sudden he just turns to me and looks at me and he goes, John, I wished I could be like you. He says, my life sucks. Sorry. I knew he'd been through a divorce. He wasn't speaking to his kids. He was, his life was in shambles. I didn't say a word. I never said a word. Christianese. That whole time, I was just there, being a friend, being, being light. And he goes, John, I wish I could be like you. I've had many friends say that. And I said, you can be. That's the thing. You can. Oh, no, I can't. I just can't. No, you can't. But God through you can. Light, light, light. They still have to make their own decision. If God leads you to speak into someone's, where he's leading us, that's, that's what, how I need to say this. Where he's leading us in the weeks, the months, the years, the decades to come, he wants to increase the influence, your influence into people around your, in your world, in your sphere of influence. That means you need to know the answer. You need to have the answer. I'm not talking theologically. I need, I'm saying you need to know the answer here for you. And then when you're given the opportunity, you have to have the boldness to say something. You live it. You live it with every moment of your life. You have to live it. But there will come a day when you have to speak it out. When people have asked me, why do you believe this? I have to tell them. This is, what, this is why I believe. It's very simple. I don't, I don't get theological with people. I just say, I believe it because my life was a mess. And I was, I, my life was, I was dying in my life. My life was, was deteriorating by the day. I was in sin and I, I turned to Jesus Christ. He gave me one more chance. He gave me one more chance to be reconciled with Him. And I, I realized that a relationship with Him was more important than anything else. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again to forgive your sins. That took me 30 seconds to just say that. The answer was not theological, but sure was, wasn't it? It's very simple. But if we don't say it, if we don't, if we don't put it out there, and there's people who are going to hate you for it. There's going to be people who respect you for it. There's going to be people who, who, who accuse you of being judgmental and, you know, well, who do you think you are? I'm nobody. Be ready with that answer. I'm nobody. But I know Jesus. Because that's the first step. 
There is more coming. There is more that's already available to us. It's, it's right here. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is near you. The, the, the kingdom of God is close to you. It's beside you. And then at the end, he says, the kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom of God is in you. But we don't operate in it the way we can. We don't know that we can operate this way. Most Christians don't operate in it because they don't know they can. You think, I think, we think that only, only those who are just, there's something that God has done special for them and He's given them some kind of uh, extra special power or authority or whatever that they get to see really cool stuff, you know, miracles and stuff. No, you can walk in miracles. You, you have the authority right now. You have the authority. There's nothing that disqualifies you. It's not your qualifications. It's His. And He's given it to us freely. It's our responsibility to live it every single moment of every day. And I'm talking not just the little things. I'm talking about big stuff. I'm talking about stuff you're going, well, wait a second, that's impossible. I, there will be people raised from the dead. Everybody take your finger. Point it to you. Say me. Not you raised from the dead, hopefully. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the power of God through you. Well, not me. I mean, that, you know, maybe Jeremy. I mean, you know, Jeremy's got it all going for him. He's got it all figured out. Warren, you know, he's been at this for so long, you know, I mean, of course, of course the power of God's going through Warren, but not me. We'll get you there. Let's all stand. Father, open our eyes. Open the eyes of our understanding. Fill us with light. Help us to see and know. Help us to get over ourselves. Help us to get over our, our own fears and anxieties. Help us to get over our own fears of, of what somebody else will say. Help us to hear your voice and to speak with confidence your will into this earth in every way. Help us to know, help us to do, help us to live in a way that represents Jesus Christ every moment, everywhere we go. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.